You are listening to the Airflow Podcast, and I'm your host, Ricky Thomas. Welcome to the one and only weekly podcast that provides information and inspiration that will help you live your life like the air that you were created to be. So sit back, relax, and flow with me. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to the Airflow Podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Thomas, and today we have a special, special guest. Oh, master, too special. The Master King, Chef Gerard <laughs> Wiltshire. What's happening, people? What's, what's going on, brother? Hey, my brother. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. Man, I'm excited to have you on, man. You got so many things going on, it's hard to keep up with you, so... You know, I was like, I, I was, I was happy when you said you'd do it because you, you're a hard man to catch up with now, man. You, you Hollywood now. Oh man, I mean, <laughs> I claim that. I claim that. You know what I mean? You know, tongue is powerful. Our words are powerful. So yes, sir. Yes, but sir. God is good, man. He's blessed me, and then you know, anytime I can reach back and give back, you know, I'm with it all day, every day. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. We, you know, I, I think you got, you know, I wanted you on here because, you know, we, when I first started talking about this and I think you and I talked about this last year sometime, I was oh, like, yeah. man, I think I'm about starting a podcast and he was like, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, you were one of the first people I thought of because I'm like, man, your story and just your journey and, and, and everything is great. So we're going to get into that. But I was like, yeah, this is, this is, people need to hear that, you know, the information that you have and just, you know, your testimony and it's, it's just inspiring. Yes, you know, I, I think that, that, is, that is what this podcast is about. So, you know, let's let's take it all the way back. You know, so you born and raised in Miami, Florida. Oh, you know it. You know it. Yes, sir. 305. So, you know, any siblings? Yes, sir. So, man, we came up, I want to say, with a, a blended family. Okay. Um, my dad is 40, 40 years older than me. So he had me. He was 40 uh, and he had already had. A whole slew of kids. So total is sixteen of us. Oh wow! It's sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So and in the old school families. Yeah, two have passed on. I had a, a sister that passed away. She died of the HIV, the AIDS virus. And oh, back wow. then, it was real prominent. Back then, in the I want to say early nineties. Yeah, that's when it was the people that it was getting wild and they didn't have any treatments and stuff. So yeah, or treatments wasn't as big yeah. and popular. Yeah. Yeah, and then I had a brother who was shot in the stomach, shot and killed. So, oh man, there's fourteen of us left, man, and you know we're a pretty close family, pretty pretty tight knit. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. So sixteen, sixteen kids. My dad. Yeah, so that's so you definitely got a a lot of different. I'm sure you got a million stories about just growing up, but uh, you know, oh, yeah. What would you say, like, just your childhood was, you know, was like growing up for you? Man, it was, uh, my childhood was challenging. I say from the age of, you know, being born to about six or seven, you know, I'm a kid, so you don't pay attention to much. Right. And life was, life was good. But then uh, when I hit around eight or nine years old, uh, my, my mom and dad got really addicted to crack. And and it kind of tore the family apart. Right. They were always doing it back then. Now when I look back, but it didn't dominate. It didn't take over until I got around that eight or nine age, where you know, you know, their sense of taking care of their family was just shot. You know, 
it was like every man for himself for me at a very young age. Wow. So you were having to take care of yourself a lot or, you know, was it just kind of like just different situations for y'all to just survive through that? Uh, I was taking care of myself, but I also, I had older brothers, but okay. the, the, the environment that I grew up in, my brothers was slanging dope and robbing and stuff like that. So, right. and then they left the house because they were older. So it was me and my two little ones. So I was my two little sisters. So I, if I was eight or nine, they were like six and five, six and four. Wow. So, and my mom, them, they, 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 they were so into, you know, the drug habit, right. nothing, nothing else mattered. Not right. Getting kids, that high. Not, yeah. yeah. The, they chased, they were chasing that high. So you were so, one of the youngest out of the bunch. Yes. Uh, man, I think I'm like number 11 because underneath me, I have, I gotta, I gotta say the names of Karen. I have, <laughs> I know it's crazy. Regina Tallulah. Aaron famous survivors. So there's five underneath me. So okay. we can add that 16. I think that's 11. Yeah. Me, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, being kind of the, the one of the out of the youngest group and, you know, having to experience, you know, kind of a new reality kind of fast. How did that transition into you getting into you know, I guess the, the culinary arts, like how did you, how did you go from the childhood there that, you know, dealing with what you dealt with and then getting into a power developing this passion for cooking? Wow. That is a good question. Honestly, I didn't, I did not want to continue because I had to do what was around me to survive. Right. And I did not want to continue doing that because what I saw around me, I did not want to, that to be, you know, a part of me. You didn't want to so, be a victim of your environment. Right. So I, I saw like, you know, family members going to jail. I seen people getting shot. And I'm not talking about like on TV. I'm saying like, I'll be on the block. You on the block. Yeah. I come up pop you and I'm 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 seeing that with my own eyes. You were in the trenches for real then. Yeah, man. I'm seeing people getting robbed and, and killed and family members going to jail. Family members getting killed, family members in hospitals after yeah. being shot. So I was like, man, like if if this is the end, if 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 the if 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 the goal is to survive, this ain't surviving. Like it, there has to be another way. Yeah. So um, in order for me to stop selling drugs and dealing with the environment, I still needed to make money, you know. And one of the jobs I took paid every week, and it kind of like slowly because I was in it, and the money was easy and quick. But there's a there's a consequence to that, right? So I got this job working at the Hard Rock Cafe in Miami, and they paid every week. And I worked a lot of hours. So that kind of supplemented the money I was making, you know, from selling drugs to actually being legal. Mm. So the 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 passion for cooking wasn't there. The passion for making money yeah. or or legal money was there. And the cooking was something that someone else saw in me and helped bring it out. So so you were working at Hard Rock, were you like kind of a line cook? Were you just working in the kitchen? Like 
Yeah, I started out as a as a line cook. Um, this is crazy. My first, this is like the first big job. You know, I worked at McDonald's and all that, but that didn't last because the money wasn't. wasn't yeah, yeah. You McDonald's know, money is it's cool when you're young, young, but you know, you right. you coming from that life. McDonald's money is like a slap in the face. So right, right, right. So my first job, this is crazy. I used to line, they they put me, because my experience wasn't that great. I had to take a whole bunch of plates and line them up, maybe 50, and make what we call burger sets. But I'm saying 50, but like 50 every five minutes or every three minutes. Wow. So I take up the plates, line them up, lettuce, 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 lettuce. Tomato, 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 tomato. Onion, 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 onion. So you just onion. layering across fifty plates. Yeah, pickle, 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 pickle. As a, as as quick as I can make them, the guy working the grill or the person next to me would take the plates, put them on the table behind me, and he would put the burger on there, and they would fly out, and mm-hmm. I couldn't keep up. I was like, oh my god, I think I'm going back on the block. <laughs> <laughs> So man, I, I had to pay my dues. So yeah, once I did that, uh, I I started getting good at that, and then I gradually moved to like you know the fry station, the salad station. So like like, like I'm coming to America, you know, you start off on exactly start off on washing lettuce, and then you move to the grill, and that's when the big bucks start rolling. Exactly, <laughs> man. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, Hard Rock was the start. You know, moving and line cook, you know, kind of where did you go from there, from Hard Rock? Well, I did 10 years at the Hard Rock, so we got to stay at Hard Rock for a minute. Okay. Um, when at the Hard Rock, I they wouldn't let me cook on the grill because I was young, man. I was, I'm going to say, 18, 17. Oh, yeah, you were young then working. Yes. So, um one day the grill cook didn't come, and you know when you work grill, that's the that's the big money, right? You know? And I was like, I can do it, and they was like, little man, going somewhere, going back over there on the front. It's like, no, I can do it. The grill guy said he was gonna be late, so it's like, okay, just stay on there until he get here. And he never showed, he never showed up, and I and I rocked it out. So then you know I went to the grill, and then from that I went to prep. Now. Prep is like making the sauces, the soups, like when you really cooking the gravies, right. all the desserts. I had no experience in that. And it was this old guy, uh, old Cuban guy, and old Cuban gay guy. He was not very receptive of me, and I was ignorant that back then I wasn't very receptive of him. Right. And for some... I. Before I started working back there, I used to like say mean things to him and disrespect him because you know he was gay and I thought you know you know you know we were ignorant back then. Right, know, I was right. a little kid and I used to mess with him, but he 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 took the time to show me how to you know bake and make sauces and make soups and I stayed back there with them for about a good year and I got really good at it. And from that. The, the the chef there asked me to start putting away the, the trucks that came in, you know, the, the deliveries. Mm-hmm. And the place was really busy. Right. So he had to be quick and put the trucks away. And from putting the trucks away, he started teaching me how to do inventory. 
So now I don't work the line and I don't did prep and these guys seeing it in me. And I, for me, I feel like I'm just making money. Right. But you know, we all know how God works. He's setting me up for something else and I don't even know it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So after a year, I probably was the only guy in that kitchen that knew how to do everything, everything. So then my chef was sleeping with the bartender and they told him he had to transfer and they wanted to find a new chef. Mm -hmm. So the chef was like, well, you don't have to look nowhere because you got Gerard back there in the back. And no one knew, knew I was doing all that extra training. I was doing all that stuff like extra on my time. Okay. And not clocking in and, you know, or clocking out, but staying, you know, mm. I was learning all on my own. So yeah, it's a message and in that, but go ahead. It is a message in that. It is a message in that. I was doing all that on my own. And um, when the time came for a position, for his position to be taken, he was like, yo, for the last three months, and he was telling the truth, for the last three months, I haven't been doing anything. This is what the chef said to the, to the gentleman. I haven't mm. been doing anything. Gerard's been coming in at five in the morning. Now, the, the gym manager don't know that because I would come in at five in the morning, but my shift started like at 11. So mm-hmm. I would clock in at 11, but I would come in at five to learn it again. And he was like, Gerard's been coming in at five every morning for the last few months. He know the whole inventory system. He's our main grill guy. He's our second best prep guy. I mean, there ain't nothing in here he can't do. So from that, I got promoted to management from that. All right, so... That's a lot that you just unpacked in that little it bit is, of time. That, that's so, so I want to go back because, you know, we want to go back to where you got the opportunity to get on the grill. Before, okay. before you took the grill, I mean, you was confident. You was like, I can do it. I can do it. Right. Had you been cooking at home or anywhere else? I know you worked at McDonald's, but actually operating a grill in any capacity for yourself, or, you know, anything else before that. Yes, I worked at this restaurant called Fuddruckers. I know Fuddruckers. It was, okay. it was a burger joint, and they had a flat top grill. It's kind of different from 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 uh, the Hard Rock, but okay. I worked at Fuddruckers for a little bit, so I knew I could do it. But okay, so you I had didn't. you had some little you had a little bit of experience actually yeah. working the grill. Okay, right, right, right. And I was just cocky, confident, you know, little yeah. kid. You know yeah. what I mean. Uh, and sometimes I, and it takes that though. Sometimes yeah. it takes a little bit of uh, confidence to 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 step up the way you did. So, man, all honesty, I was I, I was I was scared because Hard Rock is like, yes. oh man, back yeah. back then anyway. Yeah, I mean, you, you had to be fast and no recooks and yeah. So I was scared, but I knew I can do it, and I was like, if it, if I can't do it, then they. What what's gonna happen? They're gonna put me back on on fry, like oh, right, whatever. Right. Yeah, but I can't. I can't even now. The I can't stay on one spot. Like I have to move on to something else. You know what I mean? Even right. if it's not comfortable for me, because when you're doing something for a long time, it becomes normal. No matter right. what it is, like like it's let's routine. say like right, it's routine. So people say I don't have any experience in that, but or oh, I've never done it before. But I guarantee you, whatever you start, two, three months, a year from now, it, it's it's like riding a bike. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta and start I, somewhere, bro. I take that back to, I mean, I mean, we on the podcast. I take that back to the first time I cooked crack. Like, yeah, 
I ain't never cooked crack before. Like, what? I look, what am I doing? Right. And then after, then about six, seven times, you know, you whipping it done. up. You know, yeah, right. it's done. So I took that mentality. If I could do that, or if I could live in a house, because you know, when my mom was on drugs, like no light bills paid, we had candles, no food in the house. Right. So if I can live from that, I mean, ain't ain't, ain't nothing I can't. Right. And and. You know, my wife and I talk about this all the time. You know, sometimes you look at people who have some of the greatest success stories and they come from, you know, when people say the bottom, they come from the right. bottom because they're like, look, I know what it's like to not have anything. So for right. me, I don't ever want to go back to that again. And it gives them right. this extra drive and push, you know, right. to, to to never go back to that point. Exactly. Um so, you know, I want to go. So, you know, you got the you got the the job, you you own the grill. And then, you know, I want to go back to when you was talking, you was like, I was putting in extra time. Correct. On my time. Right. So not not on the company's time to learn all these different aspects of the job, mm-hmm. not realizing that I was being prepared for, you know, what was to come, you know. Right. And, you know, I, I want to touch upon that a little bit because, you know, just understanding and, and knowing, you know, enough about you to know where you are today. That's big right there because, you know, a lot of people don't think about that. You know, you always right. hear prepare for the job that you want, not not work at the job you have now. You know, you got to right. prepare and get ready for it. And sometimes it takes sacrifice and you sacrifice your time. You could have been off of working at home chilling. Right. But you saw an opportunity, didn't know where it was going to lead you. Like you said, you didn't right. know what it was going to take. You didn't know that's where it was. But that's just showing God having a plan and, and you just walking into it and doing what you had to do and picking up a new skill set. So now you're getting on this opportunity. You know, the chef's getting let go. He's telling like you have it. You know, it's on you. So how did that transition go with the owner? It was just like, yeah, we'll definitely put you in there. And they were like, no, nah, we got to see what you can do. Like, how did that process work out? Well, to just to rewind just a little bit. When I was doing that on my time, you know, it was some of the dudes in there, man, you Uncle Tom. Boy, uh, nigga, you ain't even getting paid for that. Like, right. like I was getting that all the time. Like, yeah. you know, like, hey, you know, oh, you can't say nothing around Gerard. He gonna go back and you know, I was getting all type of so you, man. It was you were getting it was, burned up in there because you was, was trying yeah, to better yourself. It was hard, man. Even though, even though my my first kids, uh, my first wife, my girlfriend at the time, you know, she's like, "You doing all this extra stuff? You could be home, and you going in, and then you ain't even clocking in because you know we had we was living together. We had bills to pay." Right, right. And you know, she seen the check with 40 hours, but see me there at 55, she like that ain't what's going up. on. Right. Yeah. So even even that battle was hard, man. And yeah. I was just like, hey man, it's I'm I'm they 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 willing to teach me. And like they need to teach you on the clock. So like, I got hear from her, then I go to work <laughs> and I hear from my coworkers and peers. So it yeah. was hard. That's and that and that's tough to get it because you know, sometimes when you on the road to better yourself or better your situation even though it's closer to you may not necessarily understand right. what you're doing and, and, and the purpose, you know, you can explain it, but you know, when bills are due and money is short, you know, they're like, right. well, that time can be used for other stuff, not seeing right. the future and what the end goal could be in that. 
um, which is, is that that is that's a tough thing to deal with because you are getting it on both sides. You at the office right. getting it and you getting it when you get home. It's like, where do right. I get my peace from? So right. that's that's crazy. So. All right. So we got we got through that part. You know, you, you're dealing with that. You know, now opportunity presents itself to potentially take over the kitchen. So now what do we how, how does that play out? So the general manager calls me in the office and he gives me an offer. And back then, like 40, if you made 40 grand back then, and I'm think I'm saying 90. I think I became management in 99, 98, somewhere mm-hmm. up in there. Uh, I was like, I want to make $40,000. And he was like, I'll offer you 39. And for some reason, I'm like, if it ain't 40, I ain't taking <laughs> And he was like, 39. And he was like, I think he had me on speakerphone with corporate or something like that. And then he did something where he, hung up the phone, supposedly by mistake, but he did it on purpose. Uh He hung up the phone with them some kind of way. He got up, went to his door, closed his door, came back, sat down, and said, Gerard, you are an amazing talent. You're a young black man. Probably had dreads. Yeah, I had dreads at the time. Young black man, dreads. I'm, I'm, I'm a white Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. you're not going to get this opportunity again. If I was you, I would say yes to the 39000 You work for me for a couple of years and you can write your own story. You can leave, you can do whatever. But I'm trying to help you out, young man. So when I get up, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to get back on the phone. If you tell me $40,000 again, I can't give you the job because they won't let me. He right. was like, take the job. He got up, opened the door. The guy called the people, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened to the phone. Where were we? Where did we left off? And somebody said, we was at the office. Whatever. It's like, okay, uh, Gerard, we're going to offer you 39000 blah, 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 blah. And then I, I took the job. Okay. So he kind of helped me with that whole situation because I was being stubborn. And, you know what I mean? And he, and- gave me some, he gave me some real, man. But you know what the, the the beauty of it all is, and again, it's just how God does things. He puts people in your path that you know look different than you, you know, just different right. backgrounds, different situations. But he saw the potential, you know, like you said, he he said you you got a bright future, you know. He didn't see, you know, the dreads and all that stuff. He saw the work ethic, what you did right. to get to that point, and understanding right. how you were working, you know, extra hours that and and not clocking in this is on your time to get to that point so he knew he had something valuable but he also understands how that talent can translate in the in the industry you know being right. you know, being in the food industry like that so all right so you, you take the job and now you are now at that point are you the are you the head chef or yes how? i am okay so you're and the head chef crazy. at the hard rock because remember them guys i told you that was like hey no you know, yeah but they was they was my homeboy but they was they would they would take shots Mm-hmm. So, and then after work, we would have drinks and we'd go smoke together. Yeah. But we'd go chill out on the block after that promotion. Man, it took a while, man. It was like, man, what you doing out here with us, man? Like, you. So you now know, it's that, that you? separation of you to oh, hang with us now. You, yeah. yeah. That was hard. Yeah, I, I've, I've had a little bit of that. And I know it, it's tough, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, 
if people really with you, if you're trying to better yourself, you know, right. yeah, either they're going to come around or they're going to fall off, you know, and sometimes you can be, your success can be a reminder of where other people or where they are in their lives. And, and sometimes that's tough for folks to deal with. So. Yeah, man, it was hard because I knew, I knew all the, all the stuff they would do or how yeah. they would sneak food yeah, out over, or yeah. how they would take the trash out and go smoke weed. And right. I, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this it's is a conflict. Yeah. yeah. It's a conflict. Okay. So yeah. Got through it though. So you got you manage in the kitchen. You, now you said you were there for ten years. So how long? So how long when you started to you got this management position? How many years was that in? I'm gonna say three or four. Okay, so so you you moved up pretty quick. You no, know, taking yeah. over the whole kitchen. You know, so you, you're running the you're running the show in the kitchen. You're doing the inventory, all the stuff that you were training. Everything. Yeah, doing it all. So, what's what's the next move for you at this point? After ten years um, of hard rock, in between that, okay. So I still was had one foot in the street. Okay, and 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 then I, I met my first wife, and we got married, and then a couple of years later, we had my my daughter Victoria. Okay. And when Victoria was born, I still was kind of, you know, in the streets, but not in the streets. And my ex-wife, my first ex-wife, and her parents loved the food that I would cook for them. And they would always tell me that, you know, I should go to culinary school. Bro, I hate it. The only thing I liked about school was the sports I used to play. Mm. And I went to school for broadcast and journalism. Okay. So I, I, I like those classes. Yeah. And of course the girls. Right. But as far as like the work classes, and everything, yeah. I hated it. I hated it. So I'm grown now and I'm I'm making an okay living. So why I want to go to school for it. You right. know what I mean? Back to school, right. But then when, you know, my ex wife was pregnant, I was like, okay, I gotta do something because I'm getting ready to be an example for somebody. You know what I mean? So I decided to go to culinary school. Okay. So, so and that's while I was managing. That was, so, that was, so that's big. I mean, again, bettering yourself. So again, and it's it's a theme there. So when you were a line cook, you were doing extra. You were taking your time to learn stuff and in the kitchen, in and out the kitchen, the inventory, all that other stuff. You weren't getting paid for that. Now right. you're going to school, you know, outside. So again, sacrificing time, you know, from the family and, and, you know, just your own time to, to, to wind down to, to get this degree, you know, so you went to Johnson and Wales university. Mm-hmm. And so what was the driver for that? Was did somebody say, Hey, if you get your degree in culinary arts, that'll help you, you know, you know, double or triple your salary or be able to move different places. Like what, what prompted that that degree in culinary arts? Man, quite a few things. And I, like I said earlier, I grew up in a house with like no electricity, no food, no guidance. I had to figure out what we were going to eat. And we were, dude, I used to have, it, it was a, a tin foil plate. You know, like if you buy some tater plot pie, that tinfoil pan that comes. I would take that, mix some flour and water 
in it and hold it over a candle and move it around until it got kind of hard and feed like doughy bread to me and my two little sisters. Wow. So looking back on that, like that still like put fire in me now. Like if I can come from that, like ain't nothing I can I can't do. So when I start doubting myself and saying, dang, I don't want to go to school, like, you know, it's gonna be too much and I don't feel like doing all that. And then I sit, or even my ex-wife will say, You gonna how you gonna say it's too hard? And you came up in the house with no lights, no food, and your mom them drugs, you know, yeah, strung out. And you gonna say this too hard? Like she would remind me of that, and then I would just that would just give me fire. So there was outside of that, there was no, there was no like if you get a degree, you know, your salary would double and nothing like that. I already, I already knew that, and I knew I didn't want to stay at Hard Rock because I wanted more. Right. And, you know, I, I I could cook pretty good. And I figure if I get some kind of training with my because I was all over the place with my cooking, like it was good, but I didn't know what it was called. I was doing. I didn't know, like, you know, what, you know, souffle was or what, you know, simmer or, you know, saute or none of those colors. I didn't know. I was doing it. Yeah. Because it was a God given gift. Right. But I had to go there to for them to really polish me up and get an understanding of what it was I was doing. Because the, the techniques down and everything. Hispanic guy was telling me how to do it. The 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 the, the, the older guy was telling yeah. me how to do it and taught me prep. But he was just you put it in like this when you do it. So I took from what he taught me and made it my own. Yeah, he didn't give you the technical pieces of it. He right. just he just showed he you like this me. is what you right. do. And right. you just picked that up. So I mean, right. you got real world training, you know, right. before you actually got the the refined, you know, right. school training, which right. sometimes that's, that helps you in school because you got that experience. So, yeah, when I got to school, actually, I said it was going to be hard. It was so easy because I was in the industry already. Right. So when I went to school, it was a lot of, I was saying kids because I was like 20 something. And a lot of people, it was a lot of older folks too, but most of it was kids like coming out of high school saying they wanted to be a chef and didn't know what it, what it took. So they would take one recipe and divide up different, like if they was doing like pico de gallo, they would say, here, Ricky, you do the tomatoes. Gerard, you do the onions. Leslie, you chop up the cilantro. Leroy, you squeeze the lime. Mm-hmm. And then y'all put it all together and y'all taste it. And that's group A. And group B will make the guacamole. But in the industry where I came from, it was a whole list that I had to do. So, so when I went to work every day, I would look and say, okay, I got to make guacamole, pico de gallo, you know, soup, gravy, barbecue sauce. I got to smoke ribs. Like I had to do so all It was just you. Things. Yeah, it was all on yeah. you. Yeah. Right. So to go to culinary school, and it was like, okay, Gerard, you chopped the tomatoes. Everybody else, like, I'm done, and I'm just sitting around. I'm like, yo, like, I'll complain to the to the to the to the uh, chefs there, or the, you know, the teachers there. Like, this ain't how it is. Like, y'all setting these people up to to fail when they get out there, right? Like, this is this is not real world training y'all getting. Them. So you, you know? looking at the? They looking at you like, who is this guy coming in here and te- telling us, right? So okay. culinary school was a piece of cake. So now, I did learn. I did learn a lot. 
but as far as the actual doing the work or whatever, it was it was it was good. It so was were easy. your were your cutting skills already on point? No. So you did. so is that something you no. picked up at culinary schools? Yes. Okay. You got graded on cuts. You got graded on uh, cracking eggs, peeling potatoes. Peeling. Listen, man. When I say I done it all, dishwashing and everything, I done it all. And I kind of think like right now. I mean, I'm taking. I'm standing on my soapbox. Like the industry is kind of watered down because chefs are not chefs like i feel like to be a chef like you have to go through the whole process right you know what i mean like not like just wake up one morning and say i want to be a chef or go to the online classes you know and i know it's 2021 and i guess i'm old-fashioned but no but i feel but like for that there's a there's always um something to be said about you know a person who's gone through a process to get to where they are you know and, right. and it's and it's not to short you know i know nowadays you people can become successful overnight and this it, it truly happens even from the right. cooking standpoint you can just be very good at a certain thing right and you can monetize off of that and people will call you a chef i mean I, and i watch right. a ton of chef show, cooking shows you know, I love to cook, and but I wanted to go to actual culinary school. Like I was right. serious about wanting to do that because I believe I wanted to learn the right way, proper techniques of how to do right. that. So right. Right. that was important to me. So I, I I can see where you're coming from with that because right. you know you're right. like, man, I did all this stuff. I got people that they they call themselves chefs and they can't even slice an onion in the right way. Right. You know, they right. throw it in a right. processor and and right. that's, they, that's how they do it. So right, you know, I, I can definitely understand some of that for sure. Right. But you know, it's the world we live in. So yeah, yeah. So, all right. So we we Hard Rock was there. Did ten years. Um, you know, at some point, you know, you you get you get an opportunity to jump and move over to 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 Tennessee. So yeah, how does that all come about? Well, after ten years of Hard Rock, so two thousand five. In 2005, I tell them, well, 2004, I say once my once I get my 10 years, because 10 years at the Hard Rock, they give you a Rolex. So I wanted my Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they still do that, but back then I got a Rolex. So okay. after, after 10 years of working for them, I got my Rolex. And I put in my notice, and they were sad to see me go, because I wanted to do my own thing. So I bought a food trailer back then. Okay. This is way before food trucks was popular. So for two years, I worked on my food truck in Miami. I did that. I sold stuff like I called it, you know, I'm still hood now, so don't laugh at the name. No, you... <laughs> I think I got a shirt upstairs that with the logo and the uh the name of the the trailer was <laughs> Oh man, ghetto gourmet. Ghetto gourmet. All right. I had the, I had the chef like like <laughs> doing a kiss on the shirt, and the and, and and the and the logo was or the saying was eating good in the hood, and I just stole that from eating good in the neighborhood from right. that. Uh, uh, was almost, uh, yeah, one of those like that. Yeah, Chili's or whatever. I think so it I is it, Chili's. Yeah. So I called it Eating Good in the Hood. It was Gallo Gourmet. And I was doing stuff like 
frying. See, my mind's different. So I was doing stuff people wasn't doing. So I was frying crab legs and doing like fried lobster tails and buffalo lobster. And Yeah, you know, you know and, and I've noticed that about you. You know, you, you take, you know, people usually treat seafood as a delicacy. And, you know, they, they treat yeah. it in a certain way and kind of upscale. You take it yeah. and like, you know, I'm going to add... I'm going to fry it. I mean, the first right. time I saw you deep fry a lobster, I'm like, man, that sounds so weird and so good at the same time. So yeah, people I think, it, man. Yeah, the, but the, the funny thing about it is you think about, you, you know, you talk about how you think differently and, and that innovation that you have, you kind of can trace that back to where you say you were sitting there with your younger sisters, your younger siblings, and you got the, the flour and the water right. and the pan right. and, and the yeah. candle and you making some bread, you know, right. or some type of doughy bread for y'all to eat. You know, right. that came out of necessity, but it, it right. but it was also a sign that, you know, you do have that skill. Like you can probably go right. back and track like, man, I used to make some crazy things that is it's true you know, that, that helped us get through. And, and that's what sets you apart from other people that's in the industry. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about that. So yeah, I just, I, I saw that connection, you know, just that made me think about that. Cause you know, you do have a lot of innovative ways and, and I want to talk about your style because I know you said you didn't really have a style before. Right. Um, but you know, just to go back, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that. But you know, you you said, so now you're, you got the food, you got the food trailer, get over man. They lining up, man. They lining up. Boy. So you hit the club yeah. scene after the club. Yeah, know. so I would have a spot in the hood. I have a, a same spot where people could come to. And if I had a slow day, I would I would drive over to the strip clubs and go in there and shoot DJ fifty dollars and some some wings and say, Hey, let everybody know I'm outside. And I was like, hey, man, I go out there and get them wings, and then I sell out and go about my business, man. Right. But I'm still in the hood, so, you yeah. know, you got to be careful. So, right. you know, my dad, my mom, you know, she's still on drugs, God bless her. So back then, she's still on them now, but she would be, she was like my main employee. And, you know, when you're on drugs, like, your personality changed. So I never knew what mama I was going to get. Right. So, but she bought some uh she bought she bought some some flavor to to the trailer. She people would walk up to the trailer and they'd be like, How many wings I get? And if it was like a heavy set dude, and she was like, It don't matter how many you can get, you look like you eat about fifty of them. So <laughs> <laughs> the people just people they just, just they like that, that personality, yeah. 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 Like, Mama, you can't say that you can't say that to the people. They probably like they loving that. They probably like that yeah, add a little flavor they, to it. They loved it, man. And then um I had my nephews like in the banded cars and back then you had the chirp phone. Yeah, the next tails. All right. Yeah. And they'll be like, hey, um, somebody walking up on you from the left side. Like, I'm finna get out and walk over. So they'll be over in the car strap. <laughs> Watching you. I got like five. So you got security. Man, I ain't crazy. I'm from the hood. Hey, no, nah, you gotta you got, <laughs> hey, you gotta keep your head on the swivel. And uh, protect my investment. Right. Oh, but I did forget to say when I was when I first started at the Hard Rock, like I don't know why I did it, but I enrolled in the four hundred one k. Didn't know nothing about it. I'm this ghetto kid, and I enrolled in the four hundred one k. And they took ten percent of my check every single paycheck, mm. and I never touched it. And then ten years later, when I cashed out. I cashed out with some paper, man. I think I had like 70, 80 stacks. Oh, man. So you was like, okay. Go so I bought the trailer. food trailer. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, of course I'm a protector. So I had so many, I had so many weapons on that on that thing. Uh, but you know, it was all love. Nobody ever tried to rob me or nothing like that. So I would pull up to the trade to the strip clubs, like you said, and then go home and do it all over again. And then I did that for about about mm, two years. So, so you're an entrepreneur for a couple of years with the food trailer, you know, after leaving kind of the corporate side of things, um, you know, what, what, what did you learn about yourself, um, you know, going from the corporate structure to, you know, running your own food trailer, you know, and, and having to, you know, you were responsible for everything now, you know, where you kind of yeah. were doing that in the kitchen, but now it's a different ball game because if you don't hustle, you don't work, you're not going to eat. Right, right. Discipline, man. Discipline. Like when I was working in the field, even as a manager, if I wasn't feeling good, I can call in mm-hmm. and my check could be the same. Right. You know, uh, if my kids had a, a soccer game or something and I want to take a certain day off for a holiday off or vacation for a week and I go to work, my check could be the same. Right. But with your own business, I mean, you take a day off, you ain't getting them. I mean, I ain't gonna say you ain't getting the money back, but that's that's a loss. Right. I ain't gonna say it's a loss because you know I got provide. But if you if you take a day off, you have to be really smart about it because you know, I mean, you're not gonna you're not guaranteed to get that money. You know what I mean? Right. I mean your so, your your budget changes, not to say that, you know, what you would normally make on that day, you know, if you were out there working, it's gonna shift. Like right. you said, it doesn't mean that you won't get it back, but it's just one of those things. If you don't work, you know, you still got to work. Your guy will right. provide, but you still got to get right. up and do something. So, yeah, right. those moments where before you had PTO and you had all those right. corporate benefits, when you're your own right. person, you know, your own business, right. a little different. So, okay. And then you look at stuff like gas and propane gas and like uh, utensils and napkins and a little ketchups and mustards and something peppers and to go plates like right. i was spending money before i even bought food i was like oh my god like this is this is but i i learned how to do numbers and stuff when i was at the art rock so i was gonna say you know, just yeah, had, doing the inventory and all that stuff right you, that that was that was part of your preparation for what god was really trying to get you to you know, right. and, and but that's, you know, again, somebody who doesn't look like you, doesn't think like you, totally different person, but saw something in you to prepare you for where you are or where you right. were at that point. So that's that's good, man. That's definitely good. So yeah. food, the food trailer is popping now. Ghetto Gourmet is is taking over the hood. You know, what what's what's the next step for you? Well, everything has a season. And what I mean by that is, you know. In the summertime and football games, you know, it's good money for trailers. Mm-hmm. Christmas time come around and start getting cold, and that many people coming out, and that many people going to the clubs. I ain't selling. Now it's cold much. in Miami. You know, Sam, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Beverly 60-something. It hit that oh, 60. man. We got Timberland boots on. And man, we still, we, we're still swimming in that weather. Let that be 60-something in Detroit. We will oh. be still outside kicking it. You know, that's that's perfect weather right there. But so y'all get 60-degree weather. Y'all hit y'all winning time that, you know, you got to shift things. So what yeah. was the, what was the shift? Man, it got slower. So the money wasn't as prevalent. And then, you know, with me not working in a corporate job, insurance is, is high and mm. medical bills. So I thought that I can do the trailer and work. So I got back into the corporate business and I started working for the Cheesecake Factory. Okay. And I thought I could work for the Cheesecake Factory and run the trailer. And I had like family members like cooking on the trailer and it was kind of detrimental to me because the way I prepared it and the way they were preparing it was different. And people would complain like when they see me, you'd be like, yo, man, your food wasn't good. Mm. Like how you cook it. And it was kind of diminishing my name. So I decided to just shut the trailer down. That was a hard decision. And then just jump back into the, I tried to do both for a while, but it wasn't working out. So. Yeah. I became a chef or a kitchen manager at the Cheesecake Factory. And here I go starting over again. So the Hard Rock, I was the boss. Well, I wasn't the boss. The Hard Rock started to cook, became the boss. Mm-hmm. Then I was my own boss. And then when I went to the Cheesecake Factory, I, I wasn't the boss no more. I just came in as a regular chef or kitchen the, manager. Yeah. And it was I was the bottom, I was on the bottom of the three or four that they had there. So here I go starting over again. So now you gotta you get that taste of entrepreneurship. You're doing good, but you know, realize and this and this is important. And I, I want people to hear this because there's a lot of people that want to start businesses and this, this is not to scare you, but it's to tell you be prepared for those times. You know, do you have a business that you're doing that is seasonal? And right. if so, have a plan, because like you said, insurance still has to be paid. You know, there's right. still you got to pay for the truck, the trailer that you have. You still got to have insurance on that. You know, even yeah. if you're not using it actively because if something happens now, you're out of all of that. You know, right. even medical, you know, if right. you got to pay for your own medical insurance. You know, something still has to be paid. You got to have right. insurance. And in your situation, you're married with kids. So, you know, you got to right. you know, make something happen. So. That's important for people to hear that because, you know, a lot of people get this, they get in this euphoric state, like, oh, I'm going to go start this truck. Great idea and do all this stuff, you know, but they don't think about the little things to, to yeah. be prepared, you know. So. Yeah, definitely got to be prepared. And, and I was prepared, but I wasn't, I didn't look at, you know, two years from now. Because right. when you, here's the thing, when you first start a business, you look at the beginning like it's going to always be like that. And you don't realize you are a new thing and people want the new thing. But after a while, even if it's great, it kind of fizzes out a little bit. Mm. And how did you spend your money when it was all coming in? Like, like, like boatloads, what did you do with the money? Like, right. did you manage it? Did you waste it? Cause you know, tomorrow you're going to make the same thing again. Like, how'd you do that? Yeah. Had I, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy. So if I pull up at the club and I sell out, I'm gonna shut the strip club down. I got cash money here. I'm gonna go in there right, and, right. and make it do what it, it a little back. bit of it, you know? <laughs> right. No, I couldn't give it all back because I had to take money home to the wife. Well, know? yeah, that's true. So, you gotta pay the bills. Send it all back. But yeah. uh, I showed 
gave her enough script club and tell her, yeah, it was an okay day. Yeah. You know, I made, you know, 1800 when I really made 27, 26. Right. You know, so. But I mean, that, but that again, how you spend your money, you know, just because you made profit, you got to be able to put back into the business or save it for, you know, rainy days, you know, that that will come. Right. Yeah. Because it averages out. Yeah. Right. That's good. I mean, I and I want people to make sure they they understand that, you know, because some people just they 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 jump in and it's nothing wrong. You got to jump. You know, I know Steve Harvey says jump. And you got to do that. But you also have to come in and, and look at the bigger picture. It can't just right. be, you know, I'm just going to jump in here first and not think about the future because, you right. know, you got to look at it in the, in a bigger picture at some point in a high level. So. Right. So you're at Cheesecake Factory, you know. And you know, cheese bottom, of the, pole. bottom of the totem pole, you didn't move up, management. come back, bottom of the totem pole management at the cheesecake factory. So, what's what's the play there? Man, cheesecake factory is cut, 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 cutthroat. Man, okay, that place is so busy, managers don't last, employees don't last, even nowadays, it's probably the same, like. They make like $30,000 a day, and it's really, really, really busy. So my first day there, when I showed up to actually do like the on-the-job on training, the employees was like, oh, oh, here come number three. Here come number three. I was like, the hell is they talking about, number three? So the guy that was training me is like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about them. So my first day. Outside of orientation, my first day was steward, which was put with truck. Now, I got experience with that with Cheesecake Factory. I mean, from the hard rock. Right. Ain't, ain't no big deal. I can mm. put with a truck. Um, no matter how big or small it is, like, oh, okay, this is something I can do. So the truck came in. It was real big. And we was putting with a truck. And the dude was training me. He was just an hourly guy. He was like, dang, I ain't never seen a manager put a truck, truck up like that before, man. Cause I took off my jacket, you know. And got in there, so, rolled up your sleeves, yeah, got in there. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Wow, I never seen a manager do that." I said, "Yeah." So when I was managing the Hard Rock, you know, this is what I did. Everything I can actually find peace and joy in it. Like you organize everything, you touch everything, you know everything you got, right. whatever, whatever. So when I when I sat down and talked to him, I said, "Hey, what's up with these guys saying he go number three? Like what they was talking about?" And he was like, "Um, this week." Two managers came in, and after putting away the truck, they quit. And you the third guy this week, so they was like, hey, go number three for the week. Uh, and they wanted to know if you was going to quit or not. So that's how hard know. it was. But they didn't know you had already been dealing with a lot of that stuff at the hard right. rock. Of being able to put the truck up and do all that. So for you, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that big of a deal, right. And then, you know, I went through the whole training on the line. And, you know, my name, my middle name is Gerard. Right. Right. So when I started cooking on the line, I look at the cook. I caught on and cheesecake. They do everything from scratch every time you order. So like if you order like the chicken Madeira, they take the a raw piece of chicken, they season it with salt and pepper, they dredge it in the flour, they dredge it in the egg wash, they put the oil in the pan, and they cook chicken in the pan. They flip it over. They put it up in the salamander, they take it down, they put asparagus and cheese on it, put like everything is to order. You order okay. something with Alfredo sauce, as soon as it comes in, the tickets coming in, they make it the Alfredo sauce real quick and uh, everything is from scratch. So that's that's right up my alley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Culinary school, you know, 
Um, I got him online and I was killing it. So the big corporate guy, his name was Vinny. Vinny Forso, Italian guy. And he pulled me to the side. He's like, man, you got potential, man. He was like, he was like, uh, I like how you work. He's like, your name is Gerard. He's like, you watch baseball? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know who A-Rod is? I said, yeah, kind of. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm black. Black people don't really watch baseball, but I know who A-Rod is. And he was like, okay, I'm going to start calling you J-Rod because you're a superstar. You're knocking out of the park. So from that point on, for anybody who ever worked for the Cheesecake Factory, they know me as J-Rod. J-Rod. So right now today, if I go to, you know, Miami and bump into somebody from Cheesecake Factory or even on Facebook, they be like, what's that J-Rod or J-Dog or whatever. So yeah. the J-Rod stuck. And from there, um, I was just picking up quick, man. It was it was very, very fast-paced, very, 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 very busy. But I was I was holding my own. So they fast-tracked me. After like a week into training, mm-hmm. the core people got together and said, okay, we're going to tr- fast-track him to become an EKM, which is executive kitchen manager instead okay. of just a regular kitchen manager. So, so the now way we cheese- get some new titles now. Right. So the way Cheesecake works is you have to take these tests online and then they and, and corporate people come in and they test you on every you know, every time you get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And they was fast checking me. So here we go with the hate again. So I'm coming in, I'm jumping over people that have been with the company four, five years. I'm there a year, two years. I'm jumping over them. Now I'm neighbors. And uh, I go, here go the hate. You know what I mean? So I had to deal with that again. But I had, it wasn't as hard as dealing with my 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 homeboys. That was hard. Because y'all had a bigger relationship, you know, yeah. outside yeah. of work. Outside of work, right. right. So I, I dealt with that okay. And then um, I got I got promoted. And I was running my own store within... I'm going to say two years. So it's almost like every step of the way when you, especially in these corporate jobs, there's always somebody higher up that sees something in you. Man, I had an interview with somebody before. Like they asked me, did I have a mentor? I was like, no, there was no mentor. But every time I got to a certain spot, like someone was there and help push me to the next level right every single every single step my that's, whole entire career even to now that's the airflow i mean that's that's you you flowing there you where you supposed to be and and, and god drop, they would drop god would drop somebody in your path for the season just to help you get to that point you know so they, in a way, they were probably mentoring you, but you didn't see it because, you know, sometimes mentorship, you know, it goes both ways. But, yeah, you know, they they saw you and said, I'm going to help help you, you know, and they and it maybe it's some maybe they're paying it for for something that, um, you know, that somebody did for them. Uh, right. But but certainly the fact that they were able to, to do that for you and, you know, that that's always going to cause some conflict with with other people. They're like I've been here longer or you know, I want that position, but you know, you came in there, kept your head down, did the work. And, you know, sometimes, you know, favor ain't fair. Right. And that's just, that's just how it goes. So, so you're running cheesecake factories you got your own cheesecake factory store that you're running. Yes, sir. I actually, I was 
pretty much running two of them. Okay. And I wanted to become a corporate chef. And that was that was big money. And they had it for me. They just would never commit it. And then I got I got a call at my cheesecake factory. The phone was ringing, and I never answered the phone. I was like, "Let let those little hostess girls answer the phone." <laughs> I'm I'm too important to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you be like. Somebody call for me, screen the call. I tell you if I want to answer or not. Tell my secretary. Tell how the secretary answer. For yeah, me. right, right. So phone was ringing, and Lord told me to answer the phone. I get on the phone now. It's important that I answer the phone because if I have my phone calls being screened, so if someone else would answer the phone, information would have got out. When me answer the phone, I'm like, this is Chef Gerard. Oh, we've been trying to contact you for about six months now. I'm like, could call my cell phone. I was like, if you're trying to contact me and you don't have my cell phone number, that means I don't know you and you ain't supposed to contact me. It was like, no, 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 no. We call your cell phone, and I don't know what they said, but they was like, we are a recruiter for Landry's, and we want to see if you're interested in talking about, you know, being a, a an executive for our company. Like, I'm already an executive for Cheesecake. Like, mm-hmm. I'm cool with Cheesecake. And she was like, it'll just take a minute of your time. We just want to talk to you. And... Lord said, okay, talk to him. Don't shoot him off. Because I was getting calls like that often, but not mm. specifically. Right. It would be a random. Are you happy with your job? Yeah. Here? But these people were looking for me specifically. So he's targeting you. This wasn't no just right. from recruiter. They right. Like, we, we've been looking at you for a minute. Right. So I was like, okay, I will be in my car driving at 5.13 p.m. I was being a hole. <laughs> Like if you don't call me at five thirteen, that's exact. Right, right. Like like, I don't need no job. Like right. And Lord told me to listen to him. I was like, okay, God. I was like, if y'all don't call me at five thirteen, you know, I got another phone call at five fifteen. I ain't answering the phone, (laughs) dude, bro. I got for five, and I, I I was driving out of the garage, and I'm driving home, and I'm like, okay, now five twelve. 513, the phone rung. Like, okay. This is right. She's like, yeah, this is a recruiter from Landry's. Are you familiar with Landry's? I like, never heard of. She's like, they own the Rainforest Cafe. They own Bubblegum and all whatever the names they said. Mm-hmm. And I was like, lady, I've worked for the Hard Rock Cafe. I'm a chef. At, at this point, I got my culinary degree. I don't want to leave Cheesecake Fret when I'm doing scratch cooking and, and go work at the Rainforest Cafe for to be flipping burgers again. Right. I'm like, you gotta come, you gotta come better than that. You say you was looking for me, but I was being a ho man. I was like, if you was looking for me, you know, you know that you know I would want something you know, greater than just yeah, you know, Google me, check my resume. I ain't <laughs> right. It wasn't nothing to Google back then. <laughs> right, yeah, back then no, I wasn't Google. It was Yahoo, maybe you might have right, right. But if you Yahoo me, you wasn't gonna get nothing like <laughs> that. I don't even know if you get together going in, nothing. But she was like, okay, but if I set up something with with my with my managers or with a manager, 
the meeting will be at the um, Rainforest Cafe in, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I said, yeah, I'm in Miami, so that's a good 30-minute drive, whatever. So long story short, Lord told me, just don't turn down, just go listen to what these people got to say. Mm-hmm. Right? So now I am kind of, I'm not mad at Cheesecake, but they had me in limbo for a while because I'm running two stores. It's busy. It's a busy company. I'm shining. Like they really depended on me. Mm. I traveled for them. I opened up stores for them. Okay. You know, if someone had issues with like inventory, they would send me there to fix issues. So I was like their go-to guy, you know. And I wanted to get paid like one big wig. So right. I thought, like, okay, I'll go to the interview. So I went to the interview at the Rainforest Cafe and they walking me through the rainforest. I'm like, with this lady, I ain't wanna work here. So they interviewing me. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I don't want to work here. So they sat down. We started talking. And they was like, so what do you think? I was like, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. I'm not looking for a restaurant where, because they had the ribs coming in already made and yeah. stuff like that. I've been there a few times. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't, that, that's not what I'm about, man. I'm a. I'm a from scratch type of guy. Right. And he's like, well, we got other, other, other places. I was like, okay, well, what you got? It's like, there's this restaurant. Now I'm in, I'm meeting them in Fort Lauderdale and I'm from Miami. So everything they're telling me, I'm thinking they it's, it's local. Right? right. So it was like, we have this restaurant with like a 300,000 gallon tank in the center with over 500 species of fish, including sharks and eels and, you know, blow turtles and, you know, all the stuff that you can see in the wildlife. We have them in the tank and in the center of the, and around that are tables. And it's a seafood restaurant and you can bring in your own fish and you fillet it yourself. Like, Does that sound good? I'm like, hell yeah, that sounds good. And I'm thinking like, but where that's at? On South Beach? You know, we didn't go to South Beach too much. We went over there, but Right, like South Beach is like no, it's in Nashville. Now, Nashville, what you talking about? Nashville, uh, how we go from you want me to run this old rinky dink? That's what I'm saying. I ain't saying right. them, but rinky dink rainforest cafe to you know this elaborate chef in Nashville, and they was like, but just think about it. So I say, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You gotta tell me what you're thinking. So are you are you saying you want me to relocate? It's a possibility. You know, we had a flood a few years ago and now we're getting this place back up and running. And I had no idea about no flood, nothing about yeah. Nashville, nothing. So I said, I don't know, man. We gotta I, I gotta think about this. So I went home, told my wife about it. And at this time, this is, I'm on my second wife now. My second wife, and I'm telling her about it. And she just had my my daughter, Denila. Brand Denila, brand new, brand new. Denila probably, Denila probably, not even two weeks. Oh wow! So yeah, she's new, new. Yeah, and you know, my wife then she. You know, I just had a baby and my family. Yeah, yeah, baby, I understand. So if you say no, no, we we weren't at this point yet because I was on the no. 
Mm-hmm. Then I got another call. I, I got another call from Landry saying um, the corporate people are flying in from Texas on this date and would like to meet with you. And she was like, if they are coming, I'll advise this is the recruiter lady. I advise you to go because they are like big dogs in, in, in the food industry. Mm-hmm. She said, I just want you to go and listen to them. I know you went before and you're going to probably want to tell me no, but I need you to go and just listen to them. I was like, all right, now I ain't tell the wife I was going the second time. Mm. <laughs> so I, I had told the cheesecake that I had um, a doctor's appointment to go to because I didn't want to get home later than usual, you know right, what I mean? So right. I told him I had a doctor's appointment to go to. So I drove to Fort Lauderdale again, and the, the, the vice president and the chief executive officer of Landry's, they flew in just to talk to me, and they offered me the job again officially and said that they would fly me and my family out, pay out whatever lease I got, give me a sinus bonus, pay to move me, and ask me what salary I wanted. Oh, so they gave you the, the blank check thing. What, what, what do we need to pay you to make this happen? Right, right. So I said, well, I need to go home and talk to my wife. So when mm-hmm. I got home, I was like, dang, how am I going to tell my wife I want to know you? I said, hey, so uh, the people came to my job. <laughs> <laughs> Trying we, to play that we, off. Right. And we met outside and um, they offered me a job in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know nothing about Nashville. I say, but they're going to pay for everything to move. We in this lease here, so they'll buy us out our lease. They'll fly us out there to pick out somewhere to live. Like, they pulling out all the stunts. And then um, they offered me, I think I was, they offered me like 70 something thousand dollars to move plus a signing bonus. Wow. And, you know, I was like, I think I was making like 55, 60, somewhere up in there. So she was like, $70,000. I said, yeah. So, I said, if you say no, babe, I won't do it. She was like, all right. So I called them. It was like, I think they were offering me like 60-something. I was like, listen, you pay me 70-something thousand, I'll do it. And then the person, the, the liaison person, I think it was still the, 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 the recruiter, Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no way they're gonna do that. I was like, well, I, what do I got to lose? I'm fine here, man. They, right. they looking for me, like right. you just tell them seven the grand. Yeah, right. shoot for the moon. And she told them, okay, are you sure you want me to tell them this? Because they're not gonna go. Say, okay. Because at the same time, she get a cut. So if she tell them seventy two, and and they say no, she ain't get nothing. She not getting you anything I mean? out of it. But if she, if if the risk pays out, she gets paid. She get paid a little right. bit more. So. And then she said, okay, I'm going to present this 72. I said, all right. And then I um, hung up the phone. I was in a church meeting then. I hung up the phone with her went back in the church. And then the next day, she called, you're not going to believe this. I said, I already know. They, they said, yeah. So that was uh, sometime in November. They wanted me to quit the Cheesecake Factory and not give a two weeks notice, man. And oh, wow. Be in Tennessee, or I had to go to Texas to train. Be in Texas around Christmas time. And I was like, nah, man, I don't work for these people for six years. Like, I'm going to get Burn them. Burn that bridge, and, yeah. I know this, you know what I mean? Right. 
So January 1st, 2012, Nala was born November 17th, 2011. So January 1st, I'm up in the air, leaving Miami, flying to Texas to go start my train. Wow. Within a year at Landry's, they pushed me. I got promoted and pushed over the six-figure mark. A year later, they gave you another 20 stacks. <laughs> so they just like, so, so sounds like it was the right decision and, and God helped to guide you there. So, you know, sometimes you got to leave where you're at to, to go to that next place. And it can be hard leaving family and such. So, yeah. uh, so that's so, so now you're here, you know, and, and I don't want to, I'm trying not to skip around too much because, you know, right. it's, it's, it's good, but you get here, you're working at the restaurant, you know, at, at uh, with the, you know, with the, the fish and everything. So you're doing yeah, that. Man. Things are going well there. Um, you know, so obviously now you, you've been working there as a corporate job and, you know, doing that. How did, how did you, you know, transition into Nashville and, you know, kind of what helped you to make that transition here in this area? And then, you know, from a, from a work perspective, you know, continue to, to thrive, to be better. Wow. Nashville, man, Nashville is a lot slower than where I came from as far as like, you know, how people move around and right. you know, what's going on. So, you know, Miami is like fast cut road. Everybody's on edge all day long. I come here where, you know, people are nice and people speak. And I wasn't used to the, the Southern hospitality. So I had to adjust to people being so nice. I know that sounds weird, but I felt like out of nah, place. It's, it's not real. I mean, it's not weird. It's funny you say that because that's how I felt when I first came down here from Detroit. You know, it was everybody was like, they look you in the face. They, hey, how are you doing? You know, right. Detroit. You know, you look at anybody, when you walking down the street, you might get a head nod, and that's about right. it. But people stop right. to speak and how you doing, right. sir, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, man, right. I, I went back home and I did that. And people looking at me crazy, like, man, who you who you talking to? You know me? I'm like, I had to forget. Right. I had to remember where right. I was. But right. yeah, I, I definitely know that feeling. And that that was the nice thing about it. You got I got a taste of that southern hospitality. So right. as far as the work. I just did what I've learned over the years. And Landry's was a bit unorganized. And I helped I helped them put some systems in place that I learned from the Cheesecake Factory and some recipes that I had on my own from my from my food truck. Cause they were seafood. Mm. So um, That was right up your alley. That was right up my alley. So I used to ask them when I first got there, can I, you know, run some specials and stuff? And they didn't know anything about me. It was like, no, just get the restaurant up and running first. And, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good thing about the aquarium restaurant that I was working at, that I was the executive chef at, I had this general manager named Bill. He... A lot of times when you have someone talented, you try to suppress them or you want to keep them, you know, like for the Cheesecake Factory, I couldn't be creative. Like I had recipe ideas 
I would make stuff for corporate when it came. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's good, but we got somebody to do that, right? You just do what they we say. You focus on your what they, right. what they hired right. you for, and and, right. and you couldn't get creative, right? For Landry's, they were telling me no, but my general manager was like, man, this is good, man. Like, you know, I would make them stuff that I was selling on my food truck or mm. takes. I mean, I had every seafood in the book at Landry's, so I'm right. like, I'm in heaven, like, yeah. I would play around with recipes. Like, I would read their recipe. Like, Landry's recipe is like, this don't make no sense. Like, I'm going to make it my way. So I would change their recipe and make it my way. Mm. And my general manager was all for it. So we wouldn't tell corporate. We just had better food than all the other aquariums. Right. And sales kept increasing. And he was like, well, what are y'all doing down there? And then we had, I said, "Um, well, there's some recipes that you guys gave to me that I had to fix. And what do you, what do you mean? Fix so I showed them. I said, okay. Cause they, they, they come down every so often. Mm-hmm. I'm like, taste this and then taste this. Right. And they're like, okay, this is, you know, this is our recipe. This is good. Oh man, what, what did you do? I said, I just tweaked a couple of things in the recipe and I added two little things. And this is, I tell them, this is what we sell now. I mm-hmm. said before I changed it, the 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 before I changed it, the first six months I was here, we sold three thousand. After I changed it, we sold eight thousand. You know, people like it. I was like, but I also been doing some other stuff because I asked them could I run specials and they said no. Mm-hmm. I said I know y'all told me I couldn't run specials, but I ran some anyway. I said I ran this special. I think it was a tilapia in New Orleans. I did a tilapia with. Um, uh, shoot, a Cajun cream sauce with um, uh, uh, crawfish, and oh, scallops, man. and that shrimp. Sound, that sounds good, right? And they were just putting black in the season on there and just sending it, it out. Yeah, yeah. And I, I say I rung it in under something else, but I just want you to know we sold eight hundred and something of them, a total of. $22,000 and they looking at me like who the hell is he? <laughs> <laughs> like this dude coming here changing up our recipes. But, yeah, I changed all this stuff, man. But I changed know, it. Helping the bottom line so they got to they got to pay attention to it. So they was like, wow. So it was like, okay, okay, okay. Keep running your specials. I need you to write out the recipe and send it to me. I was like, I ain't got it. I, I, I already got it written out step by step. It's already my prep cooks got it back there. Like we running it here. Right. Y'all, y'all been doing this. So this ain't like right. just something I came up with and said, here, try this. Like we've been doing this for a minute. Right. And I was like, I, I, I apologize. Uh, you know, you told me not to do it, but I figured if I did it and it didn't work, I mean, at least the worst you could do is fire me in and like I'm gonna die or something. Right. I said, but if it does work, I mean, we got some some new recipes we can work out. Yeah. And I say, Y'all just got this real, like this simple menu. You can change the menu out or add an additional, you know, seasonal menu or something. Yeah, kind of rotated different things yeah. in and out, which diversifies and, the menu, which is always good. And from that, they was like, man, this is so good. We need to put you, let's put you in one of our contests for our, our chefs. And I'm, I'm brand new now. Mm-hmm. So one of the corporate guys was like totally against it because he didn't come and he didn't have food. 
just like here we got the chef down in Nashville from Miami, man. He'll 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 do good in this competition. You know, mm. Lambie's a big, big company. Right. You know, they got all these restaurants and a lot of yeah, them high, high end. Yeah. yeah. So the first competition that they put me in, the only reason I got in there, because the top dog said no, because he didn't come. He was like, no, he's too young. Let's because they're so serious, it's, it's so competitive. Yeah. Different regions and all that, you know, and it's like bragging rights. Right. So they're not just going to put anybody in a competition that ain't proven. So my corporate chef was like, hey, go one of those people again. Like, okay, if you don't put him in, I'm going to step out and let him go in my place. Yeah. And he's like, if you do that and he don't do good, that's your behind. So right. he put, not his job, but he put himself on the, on the line. Yeah. So my, my corporate chef, who was in charge of all the aquariums, a few of the Cadillac bars, which is a Mexican brand, uh, thing place, uh, a couple of other Rainforest Cafes, a couple of other Vic and Anthony's, the highest thing is, he took himself out and put me in his spot. Wow. He put me in. I'm like, so now I'm flying to, to Galveston entering a contest. I ain't never been in no contest before. I was scared. Hey, but again, but but again, you think about it, it's the pattern, right? It's the pattern. Oh my it's God. always somebody that, that puts themselves out there for you to right. fail because they mm-hmm. know that you got something special. And that's that's why I say it's just if you see guy working through it where at the time you're like, man, this is crazy, but people are risking their jobs right. know, for you now. You know, so it's more than just I'm sharing information or I'm helping to propel you to this next place. Like I they believe in you so much, they're like, I'm gonna risk my job because you that good. So man, that's crazy. So you get you you're flying in the contest, you're nervous because you're like, Man, I got a lot of weight on me now. I gotta I gotta right. go out here and perform. So Right. Right. And he was like, just relax, just be you. And I had never been to a competition before. And those are big. Like, you got media, magazines, local TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a big deal. They they rent out this whole Gavison Island, which the owner owned anyway, and bring in the company, 50 of the company's best chefs, maybe 30 of us, and we all competing against each other. And then you get a certain, you get the prep and stuff like that, but you got a certain amount of time to plate your dish right. and put it on the plate and it goes out blind. Like, they don't know who made what. Like, the judges, that's at the table. Yeah. So, man, I was, I was, it's, I was in three different categories and the first one, I think I did like a tequila lime snapper and shrimp. Oh my god, it was so fire! I think I did like a, a basil gastric and then another chili vinaigrette. You're and right there. You putting gastrics on the plate and vinaigrette. I, I mean, I know what they are because I've seen them. But you know, again, that's that culinary and just all the them years of working through that stuff, man. That's man. I had star fruit like charred star fruit, and it was it was a really nice dish. And I did that. I did, I think I did some boudin, fried boudin, uh, fritters or something like that. Mm. And then for the last one, I did a lobster mac and cheese baked, uh, a lobster mac and cheese. And I cooked it inside of a baked uh, Parmesan cheese shell. Mm. And I made uh, some kind of sauce with some crispy pancetta. 
and you know from lobster on top man i'm getting and hungry i'm getting real hungry dude <laughs> so so when i was practicing my dishes my corporate chef was like put my main dish the lobster mac he was like put the lobster mac in the middle and put the sauce all around it mm-hmm. and i'm like you know i told you i'm like i like to do things different not traditional yeah i was like no you know, he take balls to him. No, now he just gave up the spot for me. Right. I should be telling him, okay, chef, no problem. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, chef. I was like, I'm sorry, but every plate that I see, even on TV, got the main dish in the middle and the sauce coming around like the outside. I say, I'm going to turn the plate counter corner and put the main dish like right in the top of the triangle of the, I had a square plate. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have the sauce coming out, like, mm-hmm. like the sauce coming out. Yeah. He's like, if we're not used to that, I say, hey, man, you ain't used to me. Like, <laughs> Go hard or go home. So every score tally, you don't know until the whole ceremony at the end. Mm. So they're doing a ceremony and they, they're rating this stuff. And they say, okay, for the appetizer, the, the runner-up is, no, third place is, no, they don't do a runner-up and the winner. A runner-up is, boom. And it wasn't my tequila lime snapper. Mm-hmm. And I thought that one was the winner. Right. I was like, dang, I'm, I'm hurt. This man I flew me out here. Now, I don't think he expected me to win, but I think he expected me to get some kind of some acknowledgement. Place or something. Yeah. yeah. So that one came. And then when it came around for the Lobster Mac, it said a runner-up for whatever the category was is, and they showed it, and it wasn't me. I'm like, dang, because I'm new. Ain't no way in hell I finna win this this whole competition. Right. right. So they say, okay, for this, for the for the um for the category of entree, the winner for this specific one is, and my lobster mat came up. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Nobody know who I am now. I'm right. They're like, who is this guy? I'm, they clapping and stuff. And then my the corporate people who, and, and even the guy who's like, no, he shouldn't go. It's I'm 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 their division, right? You know, I'm there. I'm representing the division that they are over. And he's like, I knew, I knew it. I'm like, yeah, I bet you did. But I'm so <laughs> overwhelmed, like I can't take it all in. Right. So now I'm I'm shaking. And I go up. I get my my award, and then you know you shake everybody's hand. You take pictures. You go back to your seat. And they still continue with whatever category, dessert, whatever. Mm. And then they said the overall winner for the entire competition, which this dish was far better than any other dish that we had, no matter what category it was, this was the best dish. That Top we, of the best of the best. Yeah. And they hit the thing, and it was my lobster back. I damn near fainted. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was probably like you. I can see you probably went through like all kind of ranges of emotions on that one. I was like, "Wow, somebody!" And that's when I said, there. "Yeah," and that's when I said, "Well, you were supposed man, to." Man, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really good at this. Like, yeah. So after because, all these years, now you you just really, really starting to see like this is this is where I'm supposed to be, right? Yeah. When I won that competition, I was like, this is definitely what I need to be doing for the rest of my life. 
Man, you about like, fifteen knew, years in, right? Like right. I mean, that's what I'm telling you. Like, it ain't no overnight. I'm a chef type thing. Right, like, man. It's 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 hard work. Like that lobster mac and cheese recipe. I practiced it like twenty times. I would present it, and listen, as a chef, you gotta have tough skin because everything you make ain't good, and oh, yeah, everybody yeah. ain't gonna like everything you, you make. Critiqued for sure. So. I practiced that and it was like, because in, in the beginning I was putting like blue cheese in it. And one of the, I was practicing for the people at my store mm-hmm. in Nashville. And they was like, no, it's not, no, it don't taste good. I'm like, what do you mean? It's good. But I had to take their, you know, advice into consideration. Right. So I just kept adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. And I must have cooked that, made that, that particular recipe 25, 30 times. But and it's even, good. It's good because, again, you know, part of growth is being able to have people around you that you trust to to critique you, but in a constructive right. way, you know, and you're right. willing to take that and, and use that to your advantage versus, you know, you being, you know, kind of, you know, dis- dismissive to him. Like, y'all know what y'all doing. I'm the head chef. Right. I, I right. know it's good. And, you know, so, again, that's that's good about having the right people around you to help right. to help you to get to that next place. But. So you were you was you was going through the process with the recipes and you know tweaking them and doing this and that. So how did you know like this is the winner right here, or, or from your perspective, you know this is the one I want to take to to the competition? Um, I had nobody that said it wasn't good, mm. and it was just beautiful to look at. Okay, no, so and, and 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 I took. I took a traditional kind of mac and cheese. You know, I'm I'm chefy, so I made I made gnocchi. I didn't use mm-hmm. the traditional uh, pasta. Right. It was a gnocchi. Uh, it was a gnocchi mac and cheese. Wow. And so, pretty, um, so it was pretty dense then. Yeah, it was. I made a light a light gnocchi. Okay. You know what I mean? I didn't make it too heavy. I didn't okay. make the 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 flour the the pasta. For, I didn't make it too heavy. Okay. Uh, and I played around with that for a while. So, you know, just the name Noki Lobster Mac and Cheese, it sounds good. So now I got to make, and I always, this is crazy. I always make the name of something first and then make the recipe fit the name mm. with everything I do. Okay. I said, dang, that sounds good. And now I got to, now I got to make that happen. I don't come up with the recipe first and then name it. Yeah. I make this crazy sounding recipe name and i put it out there and i thought, okay now i gotta make this work and i got a certain amount of days to do it because the people don't want it <laughs> so you put it out there in the air you put it in the atmosphere and and you know now but the, that's where the ideas and how you put it together comes out because you seeing when you name it first you're seeing the end result in the beginning right i you see know, it you know yeah. what i'm saying so that's that's good because some people don't even have the, the thought to do that. They're like, man, let me put it all together and then I think of a name. You're like, all right, I'm gonna name this and then everything, you know, stuff start coming together. Like, man, this fits this perfectly. So that's that's a good talent and a good a good thing to have to be able to do that. So no, nah, it ain't too crazy. I, I like that. You know, that's, yeah. that's that's and that's how you that's how you work your thing. So that's real good. Yeah. So right. from that, I they I flew back. They put it was such a big deal. Like, so man. you the man. You come back off the plane, come come to the <laughs> restaurant. You like, you know, you, I'm the best chef in the company. Right. You top dog now. 
Yeah. Been around about a year. And I already then took knocked off the top. Got the best uh, sales increase at my restaurant. You done changed everybody's recipe. You done changed the company's recipes around. (laughs) Man, I got a picture of all the awards I got one year. Um, I had the, the cleanest restaurant. I had the best labor. I had the best culinary program. I was killing it, man. I was killing it with Landry's. And it was only because the general manager was like, he wasn't telling me what to do and how to do it. He was like, hit this number up better. Yeah, he just gave you, you just it. gave you the target and said, "Look, if you can do this, I'm a, I'm a trust. I'm gonna let you do your thing." Which is sometimes giving people that creative control is, is very important. And you know, as a culinary, you know, as a chef, and you know, being in the culinary arts, you know, you're an artist. You got to be able to to express that creativity. So that's that's good that he allowed you to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I just started entering all type of uh competitions. The company was putting me in everything. Yeah, and I was man, knocking them run with I it. was knocking them down. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to California represent Landry's. And I'm I'm coming home with another other plaques. And I'm like, am I freaking dreaming? Like <laughs> So, it so was crazy, man. You out crazy. there dominating the circuit, you know, you you doing your thing. So, you know, let's fast forward a little bit. So now you have you're winning these competitions, you're working for this, you, you're making these these just incredible recipes. Like at what point did you stop and say, you know what, I'm making people, I'm making this company a lot of money doing these kind of recipes. When, I, I need to look at doing something on my own. Okay, so now I'm back in my restaurant after traveling. And when I traveled, I was going to, not only for competitions, but I was going to the restaurants, the Landry's, mm. implementing my recipes, mm. you know? And then now I'm in charge of, I'm going to say, four restaurants' inventory. So when they get their inventory on Mondays, when they finish it, they have to send it to me. So now I'm not only seeing my sales at my store, I'm seeing all the other stores' sales. Mm. And I'm adding up all the thousands of dollars a week. Only my, and it took some time after everybody was going home, after I did all my reports for the day, I would stay and do my own report on how much money I single handedly was making the company. And it was mm. sickening, man. It was over. Four five hundred thousand dollars a week when you combine all of them, and I was wow. like, "This don't make no sense, man." Yeah. And then I'll be working in my restaurant and seeing those trays go out with all my beautiful food. Right. You just seeing money on the trays, right? <laughs> and before it was a pride thing, like I was like, "Yeah, that's me." Like you know, they know I can do this. And then right. after a while, I was like, "I ain't getting nothing for this." I know y'all paying me, but the money y'all paying me is like you know, two days at my store. Right. Like you paying me two days of sales of my recipes out of this one location. That's the salary y'all giving me. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good salary. Right. But I'm worth all the millions that y'all done made, Mm -hmm. you know, off of it. So I saw that and I was like, okay, I got to do something because I can't stomach this no more. Right. I can't take it. You start seeing your value. You really start seeing it. And like you said, you took the time to do your own report, which 
again, that's another tip for people, you know, you know, uh, even on the jobs you work, think about what you bring and understanding your value. You really right. started seeing what your value was to the company or is to the company at this time. And, you know, that that changes the conversation. That gives you a different outlook on things. It's not to be towards the company because, you know, they hired you. They gave you the opportunity to grow and to expand. But at some point you say to yourself, there, there's got to be more. And and I guess you got that when you start doing the reports and you seeing how much you bring and you're like, okay, I'm missing out on something here, you know, something right. bigger. And that's, I think that's what God started putting them, planting that seed. It's time to go to that next place. So, yeah. you know, so you're doing these reports and you're finding out all this stuff and like, you know what, you know, something needs to change. So, you know, what, what, where we go from there? Wow. So I talked to my wife about it. And we were supposed to, she had just graduated and got her accounting degree. So now the roles are going to flip a little bit. Now I had money saved up. So now instead of her being responsible for like little things, like, you know, I need you to be responsible for the money that's saved and you're going to have to carry us until I get this catering company up and running. Mm-hmm. And uh, we fell apart in the middle of that whole transition. transition. Yeah. So now I I'm not with Landry's no more, and I'm not with her no more. So I'm I'm back at I'm I'm back at the beginning again. You know how many times I had to start over. Right. So I started working for Ted's Montana Grill as the chef there. So. And I'm you, back were the, to working. you were the head chef. Yeah, yeah, I was the head chef. Yeah. So you go all the way back in the beginning, but still, you know, not at the level that you were at Landry's. Correct. Huh. I'm I'm award-winning, you know, top chef to just head chef. And I just not to not to, you know, be little being the head chef. Right, right. But I definitely took a few steps back. Right. But you, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay because, you know, you, you were there It's part of your process. So it's not to right. say it was things bad, but you know, you, you were at a higher level, but situations happen, life throws some challenges and you yeah, know, most definitely. you go back to it. So you're at Ted Montana's, you're, you're working as a chef and, you know, you know, I, I, I definitely know part of this story, but again, it, it's definitely interesting to prepare yourself to the place that you are today. But you know, how does the, the transition going to Ted's, you know, from there and, and then, you know, kind of take us into where you are now? I'm going to be honest, man. I didn't like, I didn't like working there. This is the first time in my career, like, I didn't like where I was working. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I knew it was going to be temporary, but I, I started over. Not only with, with work, I started over with my personal life, too. Life, like I yeah. Was, started my whole life started over you know? right um so i worked a job and i gave it everything i had and i worked a lot of hours and it's short-handed and it's short-staffed and mm. um i was doing uh job functions that i hadn't done in years like actually like cooking on the line and and prepping because at Landry's i had people do that i was right. just you know, running. I I had I had three chefs under me. 
You were just so directing. Me, like, and, right. Yeah. Right. I was just running the show. And um, so to, to have to go back, I don't want to say swallow my pride because I'm not really prideful, but I was doing jobs that I haven't hadn't had to do in years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were so it's a, it's a change. Yeah, it, it was a major adjustment. So I worked hard for a long time with Landry, I mean with Ted's. But I still tried to do, or I still did my catering on the side as much as I could. Like mm-hmm. I never let 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 that dream go. And you know, so when I could, I would cater, but most of my time was being taken up because I had to. I had to start over, so I had to find, I had to get some place to live, I had to pay bills, I had to take care of the kids, so yeah. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah, so. you go from two incomes to one and, you know, having to balance that and, you know, be responsible for what you're responsible for. So, yeah, that's, right. that is a shift for sure. So, mentally, with my life change and the job change, I, I could say I probably went into a depression for a little bit. Because I didn't like where I was. And I knew I had to work. And I knew, you know, trying to build a catering company was out of the question at the time. Because I had bigger responsibilities. So, yeah, I was in a little funk for a little while. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, again, life is going to, we know life is going to throw challenges. And you don't plan for that to happen. Nobody goes into relationships or goes into certain situations and plans for the bottom to fall out. But, you know, when it happens, you know, what, what, what do you think is the, some of the foundational things that helped you to get back out of that funk and, and into where you needed oh, to man. get back on track? First of all, God, man, um, to be, you know, to know his voice and to, to lean on him and, and to trust him. Yeah. Even when it ain't going what we think is our way. Right. Right. Not knowing he prepared me for something greater. And you don't see that when you're going through. Um, But just just knowing God's voice and no matter how bad it got or how I thought it was going bad, how bad it was to me and my physical eye, not my spiritual eye to continue to trust God and listen to him. Now that was hard because I'm like, how do you want me to do this? And I ain't got this. Like, come on, man. Come on, God. It's it's faith at a different level for sure. So definitely God. um, And and why you on God, you know, again, just listening to the story, you know, the one thing I've noticed about you is that every step of the way you heard God and you knew mm -hmm. the voice of God and that helped you to get to, the next level, you know, talk, Correct. take this interview, do this, go here, you right. know, and doing that. And sometimes people miss that, you know, it, it, it takes being able to know the voice of God because there's other voices that you can right. hear that can lead right. you down the wrong path. So right. that's definitely a good thing. So we got God. And God's voice, it was a simple, it was a simple instruction and it wasn't forced. Yeah. You know, he no, didn't I mean, beat it across my, he didn't five, six times, you know, right. go ahead. And then he would, show me that it's really him like okay so i he'll say listen like go to the interview and then 
when I'm going to the interview, the corporate the lady called me and said, yeah, these people are flying in just to see you. So right. now I'm like, okay, yeah, I know it was God. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. You're getting, the, you're getting the big the big wig treatment, you know. So you, you see it in the, in the situation and you know how things are unfolding, stuff that they, they say, well, normally this doesn't happen or this is very unusual for, for us to do something like this. So that's how you know God is working through the process. So, you know, right. you, you had God, you know, which is, you know, a, a given. Uh, what else kind of helped you to, to get out that funk and, and really transition? Bro, I'm telling you, I told you when I was cooking that flour on that can. Yeah. Ain't nothing worse. Listen, I could be, I could be in my house with no AC and sweating my behind off, right? But as long as I ain't got to cook no flour over no candle on a tin foil plate. Right. I'm good. Yeah. So that, even though that was probably the hardest part of my life, mm. those those years, and I was young, man. Like, I was like my, my youngest son age. He eight. Yeah. And my daughter nine. Like, I see them playing around and laughing and stuff like that. That age, I was trying to figure out what I'm going to eat. And I can't go ask the man at the store for no more store credit because my mama already owed him a hundred something dollars and he ain't gonna give it to me. And I can't go to my neighbor because, you know, we done burnt our bridges with her. So, yeah. you know, so as long as I ain't gotta go through that, 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 that experience, my childhood with like what I went through with no lights and, mm-hmm. and digging in a dirty clothes hamper for clothes and yeah, that, stepping that over, you. stepping over crackheads and bombs in my house to get out the door like long as i ain't got i'm good like when your kids ain't got to deal with that you 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 know you can get through anything at this point so that kept me going and then when my dad was working he was a hard working man and and there ain't no job to i'm not too prideful to do any job to take care of my family so i just put those three things or those four things together and that kept me going yeah, and that's and that's something you know. To, you know, I hear a lot of people that say that you know if there's no jobs out there, or you know it's hard to find. I'm like, look, there's a million jobs. They may not be stuff that you want to do. You know, at, you know. I told my wife if I had to go and work at McDonald's to keep us moving, I'm gonna go work at McDonald's. I'll work another job. I mean, you do what you have to do to get to where you know to get past the point. You know, you still keep the faith, but you got to get up and work. You know, you got to keep pushing through. So, you know, and I, and I saw that with you going through that. You know, I had the opportunity to see some of that. And that's why I say, you know, the information that you shared, you know, it, it definitely provided that inf- that inspiration. Like, you know, if Gerard can keep going through it and doing this stuff, you know, and going through this transition and starting his own business, you know, which, you know, talk about real quick. But, you know, going from the highest of highs of, you know, being in the corporate world from a from a chef's perspective, you know, to having to start over again and, mm-hmm. and, you know, not only just in your your career, but just in life, you know, that's, that's something that fuels you, you know, it's like, man, he can do it. I can do it. You know, I know God is, God is the same guy. So, you know, we, we can make it. So, you know, dude, man, check this out. Two separate, maybe three separate occasions while I'm at Ted, there was this Beyonce concert. We got so busy and it was like, a party of like 30 people and they kept looking at me. They kept looking at me. They called me over to the table. They said, you that chef? Because I hadn't been on TV and everything. Mm. You that chef from TV and on the YouTube? 
what you doing working here? Mm. Or, or, and they won't, they taking pictures with me. And I'm like, and I promise you, like, the whole time I was there, I really never posted that I worked. I didn't want nobody to know I was there because in yeah. my mind, I took some steps back. Right. So I was, I was not ashamed. I guess I wasn't ashamed of working there. But I just had to do what I do, take care of my family. Yeah. Delivery guys would come and they'd be looking at me like, yeah, they finna say something. You that shit from from the TV? Why you working here? Like I got there so many times, man. I got there so many times. Yeah, but but you know what? You you still kept doing what you had to do. But I think is it also says that you know people follow you, people watch you. So you brought up you know YouTube, you know, um, you know you got a successful YouTube channel, you know Master King Chef Gerard, um, over a hundred thousand subscribers now. You know, you've been yes, on been on News Channel 5, Talk of the Town several times. You know, I mean, you're like a regular on there, you know. So pe- people around the area that has access to News Channel 5, they see you. So, you know, your your popularity is growing. You know, it's not just, you know, the personality, but it's the food. I mean, you got this yeah. different style and way of doing things. And... You know, I think this is just, you know, the the beginning. So, you know, I, I don't want to miss, you know, the kind of the transition. So you're at Ted's, you know, and at some point you get to the place where you got to you got to make another change. You know, you got to go yeah. to back into the entrepreneur mode. So, you know, you want to talk through that. Dude, so I'm working at Ted's and, and you got to be careful what you say out of your mouth um, when you when you. Like when you upset or mm. even when you're talking to God, like yeah. I would tell God and this, this would be my prayer or, or how I would talk to God almost every day. Lord, I appreciate my job and I thank you for me, for, for having me to be able to provide for my family. Mm. But this is not what I want to do, God. And I'm not complaining. I just know there's more out there for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay here till you move me. So can you please hurry up and move? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, it sounds funny, but sometimes like my kids always ask me, like, how do you pray? I'm like, you just talk to God, have a conversation. And, yes. and it ain't got to be formal. It's got to be all right. this religious, you know, singing in hymns and all that. Sometimes right. it's just a conversation to let God hear your heart. So you Yeah, it's times God. when I go in, especially like, you know, when I'm home and the kids with their mom. I Or even when they're here. Yeah, I go in, but you know yes. that's the regular, the regular praying because I'm praying all day. Right, man. you know what I mean. It's just always you know, talking to him. Right, um, right, yeah. right. So okay. yeah, it ain't got to be all formal. Yeah, but um, the pandemic happened, man. And while the pandemic was going on, I've been in this business long enough to know what's gonna happen. Like as far as how the company's gonna react, because I remember I was up there. So right, I was yeah. the one making phone calls, like. Hey, um, you know, we gotta cut, you know, we gotta cut labor in half. So you only allowed twenty hours this week. Maybe now oh, that's only one person. Okay. Yeah. You gotta it figure it out. It is what so, it is. Before it led, I mean, before Ted started calling, I'm calling him. I'm like, okay, what's the plan? You know, what are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know, we got five employees and you know, this pandemic just hit and how are we going to do this? Are we getting furloughed? Do I need to prepare my staff? And he was like, no, we're going to try to ride it out. And then I went to work one day and they was like, you know, call me out. They called me and say, okay, 
today is going to be the last day that we're open. And But God had already told me, so I went like I was surprised. You know yeah. what I mean? They say, so, you know, we're going to shut everything down and we'll keep you guys posted. And I was like, oh, what are we going to do with all this food? And he was like, take it home, give it away. It's going to go bad. Mm. So yeah. just call the employees and, you know, let them know we're not, we're not opening because of the pandemic. Let them know they can come grab some food because food is hard to get. But we're closing the restaurants so we don't know how long. So they closed the restaurant and then they told us, like, the check that we're going to get next we were supposed to get, let's say that was a Tuesday. We were getting paid Friday, mm-hmm. a full check. And then the next check would be a half check. And that would be the last check. And then they sent us a furlough letter. So I got furloughed. And then I get home and I said, okay, what am, what am I going to do? So I jumped online to try to figure out how to apply for the unemployment and food stamps. Mm. And it was hard for me. Like, it took me hours to do it because I'm not good at stuff like that. Yeah. So after I applied, it probably took me like 14 hours. I was like, man, now I got to sit and wait on the government to be like, yeah, we're going to give you this money. We're going to give you this food stamps. I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. So I asked God what to do. And he was like, man, do what you do best. Okay. He was like, we start selling some plates. Yeah. So I put a menu together. I, put the meeting together that I was going to start sending plates like twice a week and I posted it on Facebook and told the people like how much the plates were and I'll meet them at certain places to get them the plates and from there I, I started selling plates yeah. and then after selling plates that was just now I, I won't say it was really successful but it was times where I would sell 30 plates and it was times where I would sell 2 plates Mm. Now, I was doing it once a week, so I can't expect everybody to buy a plate every week. Right. And, you know, everybody that was able to buy it because we're in a pandemic, you know yeah. what I mean? So everybody ain't got it. So right. I'm like, okay, I got to figure something else out. So from selling the plates, I kept trying to sell the plates. And I was like, okay, I got to do something else, just regular plates. So then I started doing like seafood days and that started picking up a little bit. And from the plate selling, I started doing like family dinners. Mm-hmm. And from family dinners, I started doing catering for people. And then I just said, okay, let me let me go ahead and start doing this. Since, since I ain't doing nothing, let me head, go ahead and just make it legal. So I went and filed for my licenses and went and paid for the insurance and my paperwork came in. And then... I started doing catering gigs. And then one of the catering gigs I did was a big old God again. Mm. It was a, a last minute catering gig. And it was this, it's this lady, they own a funeral company in Lebanon. And she reached out to me from social media. And she said, would I be able to do a catering for her for Father's Day? And I'm like, I'm going to have my kids Father's Day. Like, I don't want to cook for you on Father's Day. That's what I'm saying in my mind. Right. You know, God said, take the job. Now, prior to this lady trying to con- contact me, several people reached out to me to cook for them for Father's Day. And I told them, no, 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 
no, no. Because I've been doing these dinners, like, you know what I mean? And yeah. I want to be able to chill on Father's Day. I want to chill with my kids. Right. Enjoy your time, your day. Right. And then this lady say, this lady called and the Lord told me to take it. So I told the lady I would take it. And it was for like 30 people at her house in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. I ain't have a, I mean, I had a staff or I had some people that could work for me. Right. But this is last minute and they got fathers too. So then I'm like, dang, I already told her, yeah, God, you told me to her, yeah. So I reached out to some of my staff or some of the people that I was paying to work for me. And he was like, yeah, we can help you. We can help you. I was like, dang. So this was like a Thursday and then she wanted it for Father's Day on that Sunday. So I had to go buy everything last minute, prep everything last minute. And then we took it up there to her and they ate good. It was good food. It was like mac and cheese, sweet potato casserole topped with like uh, uh, like uh, some granola, uh, sour cream, cornbread, collard greens, fried chicken, sweet chili barbecue chicken. Uh, so you was doing yeah. up kind of that southern kind of tradition, yeah. Southern with a little yeah. little kick to it. Sound good? Yeah, but then they had like shrimp cocktail and clam chowder soup was the baked potato soup. Uh, they had the bread pudding that I made with the Krispy Kreme donut. So they had a big spread. Man, they had a great spread. <laughs> now here's the thing: I made enough just for them. Mm-hmm. As I'm loading up, God tells me make another pan of chicken. Make another pan. Tell me, make one more pan of everything. And I'm like, but I'm gonna be late. God say, go make another pan of everything. So deep. I'm already loaded up. I pull my car and drive. Text the girls and say, I know I told you I to be there at four, but be there at five, and I just let the moment be late. I run in my house because I was cooking out of my house. Mm. I put some more chicken in. I put the, 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 you know, mac and cheese in. I did another pan, loaded it up, took it there. Boom. We get there. We set up. They not mad. I'm late. They happy I'm there because, you know, they was a last minute thing anyway. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So everybody eating, everybody enjoying themselves. You know what I mean? And and I'm thinking, like, Lord, why you told me to make this extra food when the 30 people said, she said it was coming. It was 30 people. Now I got all this food left over. So just packing up to go. And she said, we got all that food left over? I was like, yes, ma'am. She said, you going to leave it here? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, I'll take it to Mac or whatever. I'll take some food to go and y'all take some food to go. So she made plates to go, right? Now, she took two or three of the plates, drove all the way to Franklin to this guy, gave him some of the food. Mm. He raving. What is this food? This is the best food I've ever had. Where you get this from? She said, Oh, it's a chef uh, that I got off social media. He was really good. He's a really kind guy. Blase, blase. So she said, He said, You got his information? She gave him one of my business cards. He ate the food. This was a Sunday now. Mm-hmm. Monday morning, I was up in the morning. You know, she paid me really well. I woke up Monday morning. So I thank you, God, for, for that. You know, I was just spend Father's Day on Monday with the kids. Yeah. So the kids are upstairs asleep. I'm outside drinking a cup of coffee. She called me. Yes, man. She said, thank you for yesterday. I took your food to this to this guy. He's one of the wealthiest guys I know. Um, he owns a, a, a construction company. And he just bought this $4.5 million house. He wanted to show us. He wanted to show us. So I bought him some of your food. 
He absolutely loved your food. He said he gonna call you. Now he's usually a man of his word, but he's been he and he's kind of he's kind of off the wall a little bit. <laughs> but he has a good heart. He's a good guy. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know if he's gonna call you or if he's not gonna call you. But he told me he's gonna call you. I said, okay, no problem. About three hours later, my phone rang from a weird number. I answered, "Hey, you the guy who cooked that food?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yes sir." I'm the I'm like, "Man, I need that every day. Uh, can you come see me?" I was like, uh, "Yes sir. What time would you like?" Now I got kids, man. I'm supposed to be spending five with the kids, right? He's like, come around five o'clock. So I drive out. I got to get the babysitter to watch the kids for a few hours. I drive to this man's house. Man, I'm like, holy crap. Somebody answered the door, walked me through the house to the back, to the back where he at. And he was like, how much would it cost? <laughs> how much would it cost for you to cook for me every day? I said, every day? He said, yeah, every day. I just bought this house. My wife can't cook, excuse my language, worth a damn, and I need to eat. I got I got brain cancer, and I need to eat every day. So I told him a price. He was like, all right. Um, he started showing me the house. His wife came home. He's like, hey, this is, this is uh, what's your name? I said, Gerard. He's like, this is Gerard. He's going to cook for us every day. The wife living. What do you mean cook for us? We don't need nobody to cook for us. I'm standing right there. She's like, what do you mean cook for us? Like, you're losing your mind. I already went to grab something to cook for dinner. But he's like, you're going to get on board, damn it. And he's going to cook for us. And that's it. He's like, don't worry. She'll come around. Don't worry. I'm like, what the heck? Right. You're in the middle of something here. So long story short, she bought some steaks. He made me cook it that night and asked me to come back the next morning at 6 a.m. to make him breakfast. Had to load the kids up at five, drive to Franklin at six, and I've been cooking for this man ever since. And so let's talk about that because you know some people think about it and say, "Well, you're cooking for one person now. You're still doing the catering stuff on, you know, still doing your catering business, still doing that piece of it." But you know, without giving numbers, obviously, you know, compare what he's paying you to do this versus what you were making at Ted's and and you know, some of the other places. <laughs> what he's paying me, I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to do any catering. Mm. I don't have to do any YouTube. I don't have to do any, uh, all the stuff that I'm doing, all the cooking classes. I don't mm. have to do nothing. I could just sit back, kick my feet up, go to him every day and live comfortably. All that one client following God's processes and hearing his voice, one client is is enough to take care of you, even though you're going for more than just that. Correct. Just the mindset of knowing that if nothing else works, I'm good with this one client I'm I'm dealing with. Correct. And he's had you fly out to different places. I mean, you've been... He he's been giving you and exposing you to some other stuff. So, dude, I flew out on this private jet to I forgot what part of Florida, and from that little small airport that I was in, he had a driver take me to a rental car place. When I got to the rental car place, they was like, "You can pick out whatever car you want." So after I got, I think I had a Lincoln Navigator or whatever I had. 
I drove it to the to a, a private island mm. where I had my own suite. It was like a three bedroom suite with like kitchen and jacuzzi and hot tubs on the 15th floor overlooking the ocean. And all I had to do was cook for a friend of his one meal for, uh, I was there a whole week. I cooked them one meal a day. And the rest was your time. Outside of prepping, you know, whatever, to get the meal ready, it was just, you just had time. So you I was on a vacation almost. Pretty much. With a private jet ride. Private jet car. All expenses paid. Whatever I wanted to charge to the room, massage, whatever it was, they handled it. Right. When I got there, they, the 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 front desk was suspecting me. Oh, are you the chef? Oh, welcome, chef. We're gonna take good care of you. Like I was like, man, this is crazy. I see people think, man, this is a fairy tale story. Like, no, this is God. This is this is this is when you're flowing and what you're supposed to do, you're hearing the voice of God. And as an heir, this is how you're supposed to be able to live. You know, don't mean that you won't have challenges and stuff like that. Right. You'll have that. But it's how you move through that and, and build your faith. And, you know, the one thing I want to talk about, you know, real quick, you know, and, and before we kind of ended talking about some of the events and stuff that you have and, you know, just kind of going forward with things, you know, one of the things that we didn't mention is how many people that you've actually given back to in terms of showing them how to prepare food or, you know, people that were interested in being chefs or you giving people jobs and opportunities oh, to change definitely. their life around, you know, so you were really paying it forward in a lot of ways from where people were helping you. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want that to go without being said because, you know, you've helped to alter, you know, with, God, obviously, a lot of people's lives, you know, by giving them and teaching them a skill set that that, you know, from what you know. So you're a classically trained chef, you know, went to school, had all this experience and then you're taking people, you know, who had no experience in, in helping them and showing them the way, you know, teaching them how to manage kitchens, you know, teaching them how to to, you know, do catering and how to prepare, you know, how to figure out how much food you need to make based off the number of people. I mean, giving them real tools and tips of how to run their own business. And now you're seeing yeah. people opening food trucks, doing, you know, their own private chef stuff, managing kitchens, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. You know, that that is all part of the process too of being an heir because you're sharing that with everybody, you know, and I don't want that to go without being said, you know, that that's a very important part of it. You, you're not just taking, you're giving back and, you know, you're a giver. I know you are. So, you know, you'll constantly be receiving because you're constantly thinking about giving. That's why you're getting what you're getting now, you know, being able to work with one client to basically take care of most of your bills. And now, you know, you're getting surplus off of the other things that you're doing, Right. you know, the whole giving back part, man, like there were there were times when I was younger where it was always someone who saw the situation out that I was in and just just was kind enough to, you know, give, give a loaf of bread or, you know, some clothes or even let me take a shower. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I always said if I ever had a chance to give back, no matter no matter how small it may seem like people think, OK. I'm going to let him take a shower. It's not a big deal to, 
to you to let me use your shower. But for the person who ain't take a sh- took a shower in a week, yeah, like thank God, man, like I really needed this. So right. no matter how small I think it, I think it is. People call me for my advice all the time, and I have no problem. Like some people are selfish and think that you know because I have to give. And I got on my soapbox of saying, like, you know, a lot of I don't agree with people calling themselves chefs that don't take the route that I took. Mm. But if people call me and ask me for my help, I mean, I'm there all day, every day. Because I feel like God gave me the talent and the wisdom, you know, why not share it to help someone else? And you said it, man, like all around me is people that's that's successful. I don't want to take the credit because it takes hard work to do it, but it does. But but you people who are they they've reached out to me and they did what I told them. Right, they followed you. You set the blueprint and they followed it. So you know, I say this all the time. It's like playing an adult game of follow the leader. You know, you got to be willing to do that, and then from there you start to formulate your own ways of doing things. So they may have their own cooking techniques or their own, you know, but they right. they they have a blueprint to get started. And then once you get the get the rhythm and all that down, you know, that's big. I mean, that and people like people, what you've done, you could take that and monetize that and put that into a master class of, you know, how to do this, how to run a restaurant, right. how to cater, you know, and you've been giving that away to people for years for free. But right. people did the same thing to you. And that's how you were able to get to the place that you're you're at now and, you know, continuing to thrive, you know, even in times where, like I said, pandemics and, you know, life changes and all this stuff happening, you know, you, you were able to provide for your family, for your kids, you know, you've got four kids, right? Mm -hmm. You're able to provide for them, you know, you got money, you got, you know, you got money, you got opportunities to be exposed to different things, you know, you're living, a good life and there's more I know you want to do and that's why you're continuing to think of different ways to to elevate your business and to be able to do more because you're creating streams and that's what it's right. about. Correct. Um and speaking of streams, you know, let's talk about, you know, some of the events. So, you know, I didn't get a chance to participate in the Mother's Day and Valentine's Day um events that you did. Um I saw them, definitely saw a lot of the things online from this you know the success of them. Uh, I'm definitely uh, my wife and I are doing a cooking class on Friday. So coming up excited about that. So, you know, you're you're coming up with all these different event ideas and different things. Like what's been the response of, of, from people that have been attending and, you know, just, just continuing to, to support these things. Man, in the beginning, when I first started, my core customer group was, you know, just the people I knew people from church my neighbors, stuff like that. But once I started, you know, you know, doing the dinners or, you know, doing the events, I started reaching people outside of the people I knew. And that's what helped me grow my catering business. Um, I could be busy with catering every single day of the week. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, I cook for a certain client. Uh, every day. I have a few more that I cook for. It's not just the one. I choose to do other ones. But mm-hmm. every day around three o'clock from I say from eight in the morning to three, I'm cooking for people in their homes. Yeah. 
at three o'clock, that time is for my kids. Right. Now I I cater every now and I cater during the week. I drop stuff off or I might do some private stuff. But then on the weekends, you know, kids go to their mom Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm booked like crazy, three, four, five gigs a day on on the weekends, and that's why I make a a, a, a a lot of you know good money on mm-hmm. those. So my events um, help me to be able to build a clientele to keep me booked, and I'm booked up until June, July, August, September. October, middle of October right now. Okay. And that's just from the event. So it's, it's, it's going great. Yeah. And and I know why, because the food is so good and, and I can't even get on your, your schedule because you just, you book and bless. So that's that. I, I love it. You know, I love the fact that you are because you deserve it for sure. Um, You know, with, with what you're doing, you know, is there any thoughts about maybe future trying to do your own restaurant brick and mortar? Or you like kind of the, the, the free flowing of being able to cater and kind of set your own schedule and not really be caught in, in a restaurant setting again. The brick and mortar is always a dream, um, but it would be debt free. So I'm just, I'm just building right now. Yeah. I say building, I'm building clientele. I'm building my reputation. I'm building assets and money and relationships. Right. So, which is when I, very when valuable. T- yeah, which is extremely viable. So when that time comes, like, you know, I don't have to worry about will they come. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you right now I'm, I'm I'm building, man, and with the different things I got going on, I got the classes going on, I got the YouTube going on, I'm doing pop ups, you'll see that real soon. I'm working okay. on that. Um, um so the catering and 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 the private chef, you know. That's five. What what you got to be in there? How many more? So I need? You need seven. They try to say, say you need at least seven. So right. you got five off of that. So, you know, you, you well on the way there. And, you know, if you add, is, was pop-ups part of it? Yeah, I said pop-up. Okay, so that's part I'm, of I'm it. I'm working on something right now. So you see okay. that. So, so for the, you know, for the audience, you know, obviously we want to make sure that people can get a hold of you. Now, is everything going to be on, you know, all the events, everything, is it on your website? The website, yes, is uh J-E-R-O-D.com. Okay. Um that gets updated often. But to get like up to date to the minute updates is my Facebook pages is um Gerard Wilcher is my personal chef as my personal Facebook page as J E R O D. W I L C H E R. That's my Facebook and Kingdom Cuisine Catering Company is my business Facebook. And then I drop some stuff on my YouTube is Master King Chef Gerard. So, and I'll make sure for the for the listeners we'll have that information in the description. So you know we definitely want people to follow you and you know just make sure that they can keep in contact with you. Um, you got any planned TV appearances coming up again for News Channel Five? Anything going on in that in that sector? Yeah, I think I'm. I gotta look at the email. I think next couple of weeks I got something going on. I haven't decided on what to do yet. That's always like the last minute decision. Okay. Um, well, it, it, when you when you 
popular like that, it's a good thing that you got options on what you want to what you, what you want to do versus what you have to do. So that's always a good thing. Oh yeah. All right. Well, you know, Chef, brother, I, I appreciate this time. I, I thank you for your story. Uh, I know that we'll probably have you on again because God continues to do great things. So there, there's this story is not done, but I definitely thought it was something that would be good to to share with the audience, you know, and really build and, and get people to understand that no matter where you come from, you know, it's not about where you come from. It's about what God has planned and purpose for your life. And that's really the airflow right there. So I appreciate you, man. Love you. I uh, continue to support you and, you know, we'll make sure we get the information out to the people so they can get in contact with you. And, you know, we're definitely rooting for you. So, you know, we appreciate it again. And thank you for your time, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you. And we're proud of you, too, man. You're doing big things. I'm going to have to interview you on your own show so you can tell your story. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, we got got a lot to tell, a lot to do. But, you know, like I said, it's all about getting that information out there, getting people inspired to do what they're called to do, man. And that's that's what you do. So, you know, I, I like people like that, like being around people like that to just keep things moving in a positive direction no matter what they deal with. So, Yes, sir. Uh, definitely appreciate it, man. You uh, have a good evening. Tell the kids I said hello, and uh, we'll definitely be talking again soon. For sure, man. Appreciate you. All right. Take care, man. Well, everybody, I just want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Airflow Podcast and our special guest, Master King Chef Gerard Wilcher. Uh, definitely appreciate the information and knowledge that he dropped. Uh, definitely going to be coming back to listen to this episode again and again because there's a lot of information that you can draw inspiration from that he that he shared in this episode and i want to make sure that you're taking that and using that as to form actions and actionable items to take into your own life no matter what area you're looking to grow in and develop in Uh, so i'm thankful for the opportunity Um, definitely if you want to continue to follow him i back him i endorse him 100 percent i've had his food his service is is top notch he is a true professional so if you're interested in following him or using any of his services, you can follow him on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Master King Chef Gerard. And you can also go to his personal website, Master King Chef As always, the Airflow podcast is sponsored by the Billionaire Flow Apparel Company. And you can find the Billionaire Flow Apparel Company at BillionaireFlow.com. That's B-I-L-L-I-O-N. H-E-I-R flow.com. So remember, as an heir, you were created to flow. So flow on. Again, my name is Ricky Thomas, and I thank you for listening. 